Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. It's important that we understand the calling that God has given us and that we function within that calling. And we don't necessarily worry about what everybody else is called to do. This is a place where we get hung up sometimes as Christians. We're doing something, but then we look over and we see somebody doing something else, and we're like, hey, well, Lord, how come I can't do that? We like that lane over there. I, I want to get into that lane. And the wisest thing is to stay in your lane. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of John. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on John chapter 3, verses 22 through 36, in a message titled, The One Who Is Above All. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So we carry on in our journey through this Gospel of John Our theme, you remember, is life in his name. And so we're picking up the story actually after the meeting with Nicodemus and the discussion of the necessity of the new birth. And those were the things that were earlier in the chapter And let me just remind us that the new birth, Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. He's talking about a spiritual birth. Nicodemus didn't quite understand that. He was, what, do I have to go into my mother's womb a second time? And Jesus said, no, you need to be born from above. A spiritual birth that comes about through putting one's faith and trust in Jesus. So that's the backdrop. Jesus, of course, the text reminds us that he's God's one and only son who would be lifted up like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. So the son of man would be lifted up on the cross, making atonement for sin, that whoever looked to him, whoever believed in him, would have eternal life. So after these things, Jesus then departed from Jerusalem and went to an area along the Jordan where John was continuing to baptize. And so that's where we pick up our story. And so after this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside. And there John describes the area. And it was there that an argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. So even though John the Baptist had been pointing people to Jesus, there were still those that were considering themselves the disciples of John. They were were following John. And they came and they said to John, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing 
and everyone is going to him. Now, here are just some hardcore loyal followers of John. It's like that, that guy that you talked about, you know, we don't care about him. We're your disciples. That, that's pretty much the attitude that they have at this point. They're a little overzealous for John. It kind of reminds me of a story back in Exodus or Numbers where the Spirit of the Lord comes upon a number of people in the camp of Israel and they begin to prophesy. And Joshua, he comes to Moses and he says, Moses, these guys are prophesying too. And Moses says, oh, Joshua, are you zealous for me? And he was. And Joshua's mind, no, Moses is the prophet. What are these guys doing prophesying? And and Moses, his response is great. He says, oh, Joshua, would to God that all God's people would prophesy. And this this is the same sort of thing. The disciples, they're, they're just zealous for John. People are going after that other person, that, that one that you talked about, and he is baptizing. Everyone's now going to him. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given then from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. So John says, no, look, I want people to go to him. That's the purpose that I came. I'm not the bridegroom. I already told you that. I'm the friend. I'm the best man. And I am rejoicing to see what's happening. But, but John says this that I think is worth noting. He says, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. And John just has a beautiful perspective. You know, John understands, if you will, he understands his lane. It's important that we, that we understand the calling that God has given us and that we we function within that calling. And that we do that faithfully and, and we don't necessarily worry about what everybody else is called to do. This is a place where we get hung up sometimes as Christians. We're doing something, but then we look over and we see somebody doing something else and we're like, hey, well, Lord, how come I can't do that? We like that lane over there. I, I want to get into that lane. And... The wisest thing is to stay in your lane. Stay in that place. That's where the fruit is going to come. That's where the, the blessing is going to come. So John understood that. And that, that's pretty much what he's communicating here. But then after he says that joy is mine and it is now complete, he says this. He says, he must become greater. I must become less. Or he must increase and I must decrease. And again, what a beautiful perspective that John has here. 
And, and this is a word for all of us, really. But I think, first of all, I think of those who are the public servants of Christ. All of us would do well to adopt John's conviction and make it the goal of our life and ministry. Our objective is not to increase our popularity, not to build our platform. Our objective is to see Jesus exalted. He needs to increase. I need to decrease. I'll tell you, if church leaders would just really lay hold of this as a motto and a goal, the the witness of the church in society would be much better than it is today. There's all kinds of examples in the culture right now of people who have really, whether they intended to do it or not, initially at least, that this is where they sort of ended up. They ended up with a lot of self-promotion and increase for themselves rather than decreasing and having Christ increase. And now it's coming back to haunt them. This is happening many, many places in the church. But it's not only applicable to church leaders, it's applicable to all of us, right? This is the goal, that Jesus would increase, that we would become more like him and less like who we naturally are. Our selfish, sinful selves would continue to diminish and Christ's image would emerge from us. That was John's perspective. And so that brings us to verse 31. Now, verse 31, again, this is one of those places where it's difficult to see where one voice ceases and another voice picks up. Remember, we talked about that a little bit last time. Even with John 3.16, there are some that think that rather than the words of Jesus, which we commonly think of them as, these are probably the words of the Apostle John. I said, it doesn't really matter in the end. They're all the words of God. They're the words of the Holy Spirit. We went with them being the words of Jesus. So some would see verse 31 as just a continuation. John the Baptist is just continuing what he's been saying. He says, he must increase, I must decrease. And then he, from there, goes on and says, the one who comes from above is above all. I think for sure here, the transition moves to another voice. I think here we have now the apostle John, the writer of this gospel. He is now making comment. And to look closely at the text, I think what we see is that he is now, John is now going to, for a moment, he's going to give a bit of a contrast between Jesus and John. Now, at this time, the time that John wrote the, um, the gospel, nobody knows the date for sure. Some people dated all the way at about 90 AD. Other people 
um, date it before 70 AD because it appears that the temple is still standing. So we don't really know the actual date. But the point is that there were probably not many people still identifying with John the Baptist. John the Baptist has already passed off the scene. But what John is wanting us to understand is this, this bigger point that Jesus is the ultimate voice of God to the world. So he says, the one who comes from above is above all. That's a reference to Jesus. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. So the one who comes from above is Jesus. The one who speaks of the earth is John. Now, of course, John was a prophet, but nevertheless, he was still a mere man, and he still had, to some degree, a very earthly perspective on things. And maybe you remember John, as the text even tells us here, that all of this uh, is happening before John was cast into prison. So remember, the other gospels tell us that John is arrested at a certain point and he's finally executed, he's martyred. But remember, there's that point where John, in his trial, he begins to question whether or not he was actually right about Jesus. And so he sends some of his followers to Jesus. He's in jail. He sends his followers to Jesus, and, and they come with this question from John. Are you the Messiah, or should we look for another? So it just the point is just to show that John, even though he was a prophet for sure, he is still has those weak human elements where Jesus is superior Jesus is superior because he is the one from above. He is the one from heaven. And as we carry on reading there, notice what it says. It says that God gives the spirit to him, speaking of Jesus, without limit. So John experienced the spirit of God, came upon him from his mother's womb to be that one who would go before the face of the Lord and prophetically prepare the way. But there was a limited measure of the Spirit upon John. Jesus, we are being told here, there is no limit to the Spirit upon him. In other words, he comes in the fullness of the Spirit, and those who believe that, it says that they, they certify that God is NIV says truthful, but I think uh, better that God is true. And again, what John is talking about is when a person believes that Jesus is the Messiah, that is the, that authenticating moment where one comes to know the truth about God. One comes to know that the testimony of God, the reality of God is true. That's the place where that reality comes into focus. 
When one believes in Jesus, that's when everything changes. That's when suddenly God becomes real. No longer just theoretical, but now, no, God is real. This is really what the writer of Hebrews wants us all to know. Because Hebrews, the the epistle to the Hebrews here in the New Testament, it begins with these words. It says, God, who at various times in different ways spoke in time past to our ancestors by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, or he's spoken to us in his son. So what is the author telling us? He's telling us that, basically he's telling us that God's word to humanity is Jesus. Jesus is the the ultimate. He is the final revelation. God's message to the world is not a religion. Oh, we, we cannot forget that. Not a religion, not a philosophy, not a set of morals or an ethical standard. His message is we preach a person. Man, Christians today are so caught up with issues and, and everything is an issue. And we're talking about issues and we're debating issues and we're contending with people over issues. And there's more and more issues every day we're confronted with. And I'm not saying that issues aren't important. But we have got to remember our message is first and foremost, we are presenting a person. We're not presenting a better way of life or a greater philosophy or the ultimate religion. We are presenting, we're called to present to people a person. Professor Karen Jobes, she put it like this. She wrote, the overarching message of the book of Hebrews is that God has spoken to the people of planet Earth, and God's word to us is that the life, death, and resurrection of his son in the first century is the fullest and final message to humanity. Oh, we, we can't lose sight of that. And I'm saying this because I'm afraid that in some ways, Christians, many Christians have lost sight of this. And so our message as we go out into the culture is just getting sucked into the culture wars, if you will, and, and our message just tends to revolve around those things. And I'm, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying that there doesn't need to be pushback against things and all, that's, that's, that's fine to a certain extent. But if it leads us to move away from what the real message is, the primary message, then that's when it becomes trouble. I mean, I think of all of the societal issues that we're dealing with now and all of the voices on on either side of the issue that are just in constant conflict. 
And, and there's no, there's not even any middle ground. It's just everyone's out for, for total scorched earth, complete annihilation of your opponent. But you know, here, here's the interesting thing. When you preach Jesus, you, you kind of cut through all of that other stuff. Now, obviously, people don't like you preaching Jesus either. But, you know, I have a, I have a conviction that if I'm going to get beat up or persecuted or thrown in jail or whatever, it's going to be because of Jesus. I'm going I'm I'm to go down swinging for Jesus. I'm not going to go down swinging for a cause. But the thing is, if we preach Jesus, even though, of course, there is pushback, it's a different kind of pushback. But when we preach Jesus, there's also, there's a power that's not there when I'm preaching issues. There's the power of God. There's the reality of the spirit of God working. And I've seen it over and over again. I know it's true that you can cut through so much stuff and even the hardest heart can be pierced when the message is Jesus. So let's not forget that. Let's not lose sight of that. Let's remember that Jesus is the message of the church. We preach Christ and him crucified, the apostle Paul said. And of course, he said that in a day when there were plenty of issues that he could have addressed. We preach Christ and him crucified. Now, this brings us to the last two verses of the chapter. For the father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. So again, the emphasis on, on the son. And then verse 36, this is what I, I want to delve more deeply into today. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, or God's wrath remains on them. Now, this is kind of taking us back to where we were in our previous study. And there was so much to cover. We didn't have time to, to address it all, but I wanted to kind of circle back around to some of the things that we were talking about last time. And Maybe you remember we were talking about these hard issues of judgment and God's wrath and things like that. And, and so it's interesting that John, who, again, I think it was probably John, at least who was from, say, verse 19 this is the verdict, light has come into the world. People love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. So John, in the very closing verse here of this third chapter, he, he comes back around to that.
And now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics. I know there are so many people that feel like they don't really understand sometimes even the basics of the Christian faith. And a classic book on the topic was written by John Stott, and the book is called Basic Christianity. And this is one of my favorite books because it beautifully and simply but profoundly lays out for us just exactly what the Christian faith is. So I read this book several times over. I read it many years ago. I try to read it every now and again. It's a great book, and I want to recommend it to you, Basic Christianity by John Stott. Again, this month's resource is a book titled Basic Christianity by John Stott. You can order the book Basic Christianity by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book Basic Christianity by John Stott. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of John. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.